0: hello and welcome to the virtual frontier the podcast about virtual teams created by a virtual team i'm chris and i'm part of the team here at flash hub on today's episode our founder Manuel pistner shares some insights to help you improve the quality of your virtual team so here is episode six of the virtual frontier so when i talk to people about my experience with virtual teams I often tell them that I never want to go back to a normal, conventional, local agency. And uh, that's because I just made the experience that the results are much better when working with virtual teams. It's much faster and the speed is almost unbelievable. And I'm often asked why that's the case and I analyzed that and I figured out that There are some points that differentiate a virtual team from a local team or from a like conventional outsourcing provider or offshoring or nearshoring agency. And what I discovered is that there are some things that define the architecture of a virtual team that are absolutely relevant for the performance and for the quality. So the first thing is that if you see or if you look at company they all and with they i mean all employees they share a common interest so they share the interest that they keep up the team atmosphere and that everyone feels well and that they follow the financial interests of the organization and with virtual freelancers with individual people they only follow their own interest they don't have a common organization above or around them that follows an own interest, and where people have to contribute to the interest of the organization. If you have a freelancer, the freelancer is only working for his own purpose, for his own money, mm-hmm. and they work when they want, with whom they want, for which price they want. So they are free to decide which projects are a good fit for them. And this is for every person working in a virtual team. So with FlashUp, we don't hire organizations. We hire people and we understood that project success is all about people. And if we look at this architecture of a team, we just don't have a common interest that everyone in the team shares, which is the interest of the organization. But we see that we have a quality assurance person that works only for his own purpose. And this is quality in the project. And then we have a developer that works for yeah, delivering the code that delivers The features and the functionality that the project stakeholders require. Then you have DevOps engineers and project managers and the project manager is there to make the project a success and that's his only responsibility and his only purpose. And everyone is working in his own interest. You see that in the aerospace for example where pilots only fly two times with the same co-pilot and this is because they want to avoid that people get used to each other And trust each other and then rely on each other and then don't control each other just imagine that you have a pilot and a co-pilot and the co-pilot says oh i know this guy i was flying with him like five or ten or more times i don't need to control him he does everything well and then the pilot falls asleep and the co-pilot sleeps because he thought okay it's easy for me i can just sleep yeah and then an accident happens and This is a principle that the aerospace uh, industry already made to their base for quality in, in the group of pilots. And that leads to huge quality. If you see during the last years, the number of accidents with airplanes decreases every year. And we use this as a synonym for what we do with virtual teams. So we split the roles to very fine-grained roles. Every person is an expert. Every person does not know the other team members and every person gets a rating of his performance, which is based on the role that this person takes. And this is how they work in the project. They take it very serious what they do and they take it very serious what is their impact to the quality of the project. And usually they don't care about how the others do. From a personal perspective, this might not be good for a team. But it is, in fact, because it's good for the project. It's good for the project if people don't trust each other and people know that they need to do their work and the project needs them. And it needs them to deliver good quality. If they trust each other, they will never watch each other in a, from a critical perspective and the developer will most likely never argue with a developer or with a quality assurance guy if the quality criteria is not met. And this is because they want to ensure that the team has a good atmosphere and there are no arguing people. That's good for the team, but that's not good for the performance and not so good for the project. And if you turn this principle around and don't make a project rely on trust and on relationships and don't make the project success depend on these things, but turn it around and make or provide a system, a system that ensures that quality happens and that projects can succeed. Then you will see that people build relationships because they have grown trust. And you see that people will deliver better and better performance if they see that the system works and they can rely on the system. This is a completely different thing. And we support them by automation so that every expert does not have to struggle with the administrative work around the project. But every expert can really focus on what they need to do to contribute their best possible results to the project. Um, Another principle is the four-eye principle. So we never let one expert walk alone. There is always another expert that does a review. And if it is just for a small or short amount of hours. Uh, of that means if you have a quality assurance person, don't rely on this quality assurance person. Take another one if you want to be sure that quality is really good. It is even more important for um, critical things like the architecture. Um, when we've been a yeah normal agency in the past years, we always had the situation that when there is a new project, we asked the most experienced team lead or architect in our team because people trust this person. Even if this is a new technology that this team lead or architect might have no experience with, people go to this person because they trust him and they rely on these people or in this person. This results in some situations that you give trust to a person and the person thinks that okay I don't want to disappoint people so I will take this job serious and even if I have no experience with that technology I give my best and I try to build an architecture that works and then people trust this person and this person delivers results but you have no idea if the result is really good if the architecture will work and if, it's, if this is the best result that you can get but you take it because you don't ask anybody else and You don't want to show the person that you don't trust him because Mm. everything is built on trust and personal relations. So what we do in the virtual team is if we hire an architect, we assume or we ensure that this person has experience with the technology that we use in the project. But we don't trust this person because we don't even know this person. We just did an interview and an assessment center and we had another expert interview. But anyway, this person needs to prove that he or she can deliver results. And once there is an architectural plan, we find another expert and let this person review the results of the other expert. That means we have one person that creates the architecture and another expert that has proven track record with this type of technology does a review. And you can extend that. You can even hire another person for like five hours and let this person review. And then you have a very, very transparent um idea if this architecture is really good and others see that in the same way or not. We do this for example um, for estimations. If we want to know how much time it will cost to implement a different feature, we could ask one single person and trust that this person has all information. But what happens in reality that this person does or makes some assumptions that are the base to fill gaps in the concept or the requirements which are most likely just rough requirements that you need to give an estimation for. But this person will not tell the assumptions to somebody that needs the estimation. And then you have the requirements and you have a number, and then you give it to somebody and somebody else will do the implementation. And you hope that this person has the same assumptions as the one that gave the estimation, but most likely it will not be the case. What we do in this case is that we give the estimation to like five people, three people, 10 people. How So the more detailed and the more reliable you want your estimation to be, the more people you can ask. You just need to ensure they are really experts and not average people with average knowledge. They need to be an expert in this specific domain. And then you give let them give an estimation. And if you see that everyone is around the same figures, that's good. Then you know... Okay, you have a real estimation that matches uh, the real world and not only the world of one individual person. But what happens if you have completely different numbers? So one estimates like 10 days, another one 20 days, another one two days. Then you have no idea which person to trust. And then forget about trust and rely only on real things. And how to get real things is to make assumptions visible. That means you put all these people that gave an estimation into a video call and you ask them, why did you es- estimate 10 hours or days and why did you estimate 30 hours or days and then let them discuss. So ask them, what is your assumption? What is your assumption? And make your notes. And after this discussion, which would will take like an hour, maybe two hours, then you know what this and that people assumed and you can let them discuss what is the criteria for this assumption or for the other assumption. And then you you let them discuss and you let them find the solution for the different assumptions. And then you improve your concept by listening to these experts and you get a real good estimation, which is based on the same level of assumptions. And this is much more close to reality then, if you hire the most experienced person in your company, which is only one person that brings his or her own experience to your estimation. And when you see that people interact and think with this kind of system that you can, you can build your team with different components or different roles of experts, that's like yeah it's similar to cloud technology where you if you go to amazon a w s and you want to build your infrastructure you can just go there and like create a new e c two instance to have a virtual machine and run it that's a very simple thing and this machine does everything but a w s or amazon a w s is built to to provide um a tool set for building complex virtual infrastructures you can pick from a very very complex and Um, diverse tool set and build a whole platform of components that integrate well with each other. And that's what we do with our virtual teams. See the experts and their skills as a tool, as a component and put them together in the right way on the right platform with the right communication flows, give them the right responsibility and let them do their job. Don't tell them what to do. They are experts. They know what they should do. Otherwise you would not have hired them. So, Let them do their job, give them a clear responsibility. And then you will see that things skyrocket because that's, that's, yeah, that's what we experienced in the last years when we had the first time with projects that were, um, about to finish 15 days before the deadline. Usually it was 50 days, 15 days after the deadline. And that's a, that's a huge difference. Um, what you should avoid is role pollution. Role pollution is something that is very dangerous for every team. That means if you hire a developer and you ask the developer to give the best most contribution to the project as a developer. And then the situation appears that developers should also do quality assurance and also care about the administrative stuff in the project. And of course the project manager uh, sorry the developer should also have some sense for usability and make suggestions for improvements of the usability and user experience. And maybe, of course, the person should do code reviews of others and manage uh, his or her own priorities. And then you have a complete pollution of the role because what is uh, the case in this scenario is that the person only has a very small amount of hours for doing development work, but you expect that this person is a developer and contributes the very best that he or she can do to the project. But the person has no time because the role is polluted. And this is a very, very important thing that you should avoid. Um, We try to rely on KPIs, which is another hind that I want to give you. Try to find out what you expect from a person. Which performance do you expect and how you can measure performance? If we refer to cloud solutions, you have performance indicators for your workload of a virtual machine, of the uh, CPU load. You have yeah, any kind of metrics that help you to identify how performed your application or your infrastructure should work. We do this in the same way for our project, where the project has KPIs like a value um, earned method, which is a metric to understand how how much money we spend and how much value we produced. And we also have these KPIs for an individual person, for every role in the project. That means, for example, a quality assurance person is responsible to ensure that a quality is always good in the project. That means it's not good if bugs appear on the live site or if bugs appear in a customer test. That means if we have more than 20% of bugs that the quality assurance did not discover or detect, then the quality assurance does not match the KPI. And then you can either increase the capacity of the quality assurance or you can change the person because it might not be the right fit. Um, This is another very important thing um, that helps to keep the quality high in a virtual team. And last but not least, what is very important in every team is communication. Ensure that people have a proper communication every day. This means not only communication in tickets, but also communication in a daily meeting, in Slack. So they should be responsive. They should reply fast. If you work with local people, it's always hard for them, especially for developers, to communicate well because they are not used to it. They go and dive deep into problems. They deliver code. They develop complex things. And they just forgot to communicate. And with freelancers that know how to work in virtual teams because they do this since years, they, yeah, they are almost forced to communicate well with digital tools because otherwise they will not get any kind of jobs. And that's the difference in mindset, in culture, and behavior that um, you see when you compare how virtual teams work and how local individual employees work that I used to sit next to each other and communicate by speech instead of using digital tools. Yeah, those are my tips and hints how to make virtual work deliver and how to increase the quality of your virtual teams. And of course, you see some reasons why the quality of virtual teams is really better than if you have one company with full-time employees that share common interest of the company. So make your own experience and try to work with a virtual team. You will be really excited how fast it goes and how your performance and your efficiency will rocket science. If you have questions, just ask me anytime. I'm happy to help. Thanks. I'd like to thank Manuel for sharing his insights about virtual teams with us today. You can subscribe to The Virtual Frontier or leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, or anywhere else podcasts are found. If you want to learn more about virtual teams as a service, visit flashhub.io. On behalf of the team here at FlashHub, I want to thank you for listening. So until next episode, keep exploring new frontiers.